This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Good to see you here today. If you're watching by live stream, glad to have you too. Actually, uh, Bobby Ham was in our first service. That's who that was. And um, some of you may not know him, but he runs the Lubbock Faith Center here, a, a rehab center. And so for years, he's brought ones from the Faith Center with him. I don't know how many we've seen get born again right there through the ministry that he's involved with. And, you know, when he came in on, I think that was Wednesday, to give this, this testimony, he shared stuff that I'd never heard. I, I didn't know he had been homeless for seven years. I didn't, I didn't know that he'd been through three marriages. And he said the way he really began to move forward when he started coming to this church. And I said, how long have you been here, Bobby? And he said, 13 years. And so I, I love to hear testimonies like that because God still has hope for you, okay? I don't care where you're at in this life. God still has hope, all right? Well, bless you. If you've got a Bible, go with me. The book of uh, Proverbs, chapter 26. Proverbs 26. Just a few quick shout-outs to people that are here. If I don't do this right now, I'll probably miss them. Again, uh, Mikey's over here. Mikey, why don't you raise your hand? Mikey Creo here. He's in the military stationed in Delaware. Yeah. So he's, he's here for a few weeks. We're glad to see him. And then uh, our, our latest and greatest newlyweds, John and Andrea, where are you guys at? There they are right there. Look at there. Look at that. Newlyweds. Been married a week today. Bless you. Very excited about you. And then I saw Renee Johnson up here. Renee had a little spout. There she is with some episodes that we had to believe God with, but she's good and out of the hospital, so praise the Lord. Yeah, clap to the Lord. Well, we've, we've been on this series here, The Blessing. This is week three, and so we'll give you a little bit more today. But what you find out when you study the Bible that for every choice I make, there's consequences. And when I make the choice to obey Father God, there's, there's blessing. But when I make the choice to disobey God, it, it moves me into the curse. And you know, when you, you talk about obeying God, I think the biggest thing is, is how you live. That's what matters, is just really to say, man, this is what God's done for me. So in saying those things, if your life could be traded on the stock market right now, what would your equity be worth? And if you were a, a price per share, would the price per share, would it, would it be plummeting or would it be escalating? And I can tell you this, if it's escalating, God's still got more for you. But if you're plummeting, it's not too late. We serve a God who still takes messes and makes miracles. So that's the goal here today, give you a lot of scripture. So we begin, Proverbs 26, verse 2. Like a flighting sparrow, or like a flying swallow, so a curse without a cause, a, a curse that is causeless, or unwarranted, or undeserved, shall not alight, or shall not come to rest. And so when I, I see what he's talking about here, the, the only way a curse can come into my life is it has to do it legally. I believe that happens because of disobedience or sin. 
And so it's interesting is that he, he likens a curse to a little bitty bird that tries to fly over and land. And many times in this part of the world, we have little swallows. I, I call them mud daubers. And if you've ever had one of them that made its nest on your front porch, that's not fun. Those little rascals cause an incredible amount of mess on your porch. And then at times you walk outside and they'll just dive bomb you, try to hit you. And so you look at their little bitty nest and it's made of this little mud thing and you have the thought, man, there's not much to that. I'll just knock that off real quick and easy. They're not easy to knock off. I mean, I've, I've been up there with a ladder, a putty knife, a hose, and I mean, I've blasted them and blasted them. And what I found out is they won't stop until you stop them. Well, when he talks about here the, the curse, the curse is real for every one of us. And so again, I want to highlight some scriptures today that'll help us with this. Turn with me back to your left to the 32nd uh, Psalm, Psalms 32. And as you're turning there, just a thought for you, the, the devil does not have the right to afflict your life just because he wants to. He has to have a cause in order to do that. And the way the cause usually comes is we open the door to disobedience in our life or sin in our life. Psalms 32, and when you get there, I'm going to begin in verse 1. Now, this, this is a, a passage of King David. And this is really, really rich in some thoughts for us to help us along this path and journey today. I'm going to start in verse 1. Blessed. The word blessed means happy or fortunate to be envied. In this situation, the word blessed here means praiseworthy. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven. Now, I'm going to define transgression here in a little bit, but transgression is a form of sin. And so the happy state of the man whose sin is forgiven, I'm happy because the grace of God moves me in that area. God is still a God who forgives. And he says happy. Happy is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. The word covered there means it's lifted off or lifted away. It's erased from the record. And so right there he tells me, man, God is into forgiving. God is into covering my sin, my transgression. Verse 2, blessed is the man whom the Lord does not impute or charge his account with iniquity, in whose spirit there is no deceit or fraud or misleading. Blessed are those who are relieved as they've confessed their sin, their corruption to God. Now, I believe this personally, that I don't care who you are. If you'll seek forgiveness with all your heart, God will forgive you. God is a God who still forgives. So as we look at verse 1 and 2, he lists three areas of sin. He said transgression, which the Hebrew word for transgression means to rebel. He mentioned sin. The Hebrew word for sin is to miss the mark. And then for iniquity, iniquity is rooted in wickedness or crookedness. So when I begin to look at this, I thought, okay, we need to understand that there's different degrees of sin. The first area of sin, again, it means to miss the mark. But when I sin, it's not just in my activity or my action. 
Sin can also be in my mind. Where's that at? That's, that's Matthew 5, 27, 28, where the Lord Jesus said this. He said, a man who looks upon a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery in his heart. A, a man who looks. So there are activities of sin, but there's also sin of a fantasy, the things that my mind gets. Now, to help you a little bit with this, I got all these T-shirts up there. And, and so sometimes when I sin, it looks like this. It may just have some little spots on it. Not a lot, but it's still sin. And so you may be able to put this in the washing machine, and with just one wash, you knock all the surface dust off. And it may take that one little, little spot off, that one area of sin. It may only take one time of repenting, confessing, for it to be washed. Then we get into the next area, an area called transgression. The word transgression means to revolt or rebel against. And so what happens with transgression, I get to a place in my life where I start rebelling against the things of God. The word rebel again, I mean the word transgression means rebel, but it also means to trespass. So this is how I begin to understand the word transgress. It's like if there's a building that's being built and they put a fence around the perimeter and on that perimeter they have a sign that says, no trespassing. Well, if you choose to jump that fence, You've trespassed, and so in our lives, God gives us boundaries, and when I choose to rebel against those boundaries, I've trespassed. I've gone somewhere where Father God doesn't desire me to go, and so now we go to a whole nother level of sin. And so this time to get these out, it's not gonna happen the first time. So what am I talking about here? There's times in my life that sin or even transgression is so rooted in my heart, it may take numerous times of repenting and washing. And then the third one is this thing called iniquity. Now, a week ago, we talked about the generational iniquity, and the word iniquity means I'm, I'm bent toward a certain wickedness or sin in my life. It's handed down from my father, my grandfather. It's an ancestral sin or an ancestry lineage that's been given to me. In the book of Exodus chapter 20, verse five, he said this, showing or, or visiting the iniquities of the fathers upon the children to the third and the fourth generation. So what happens with this area of, of iniquities in this? I gotta go before God. And in this one, this could be sin that's been in your bloodline a long, long, long time. And in order for that to happen, it's probably gonna have to go to the wash machine over and over and over. Now what you're gonna find out in the scriptures is this right here, how it's okay to continually to repent. I believe this with all my heart, that when you're dealing with generational iniquities, You've got to cleanse your bloodline numerous times, over and over and over. Now, watch this here at some of the things that sin will do to a human being. Verse three, when I kept silent, my bones grew old. 
when I kept silent about the sin in my life. I never repented of it. My, sin, uh, uh, my bones grew old. My bones begin to deteriorate. It just gives me an insight of the power of sin in our lives when I don't deal with it in a biblical way. He goes on to say, through my groanings all the day long, and the word groaning here, it literally means complaining. Instead of confessing my sins, I complain, and there are physical and emotional repercussions because of sin. That's why in Romans 3.23, the apostle Paul said, the wage of sin is death. Verse number four, for day and night your hand of displeasure was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer because of sin in my life, I became parched or withered. It just literally sucked the life out of me. Now, I, I read some of these right here because this can be a part of your life or my life at this moment. But there's hope. Verse number five. Now, watch this real close. King David said, I acknowledge my sin to you. I made known my sin to you. Now look what he said. I made known my sin. So guess what he does? He takes responsibility for his sin. And I said, I acknowledge my sin to you. That statement right there is in the present tense. So it indicates right here that King David continuously confessed his sin. He continually went before God. He kept getting into the washing machine. He kept repenting. Now watch this because in verse five, it gives me incredible insight on what God desires for you. So he said, I acknowledge my sin to you and my iniquity I have not hidden. See, one of the things with human nature, we try to hide our sins. But he said, I haven't hidden. And he said, and I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. So in verse five, he lists the three areas of sin. He said sin, he said transgression, and he said iniquity. But look how he ends this verse and he said, and you forgave the iniquity or the guilt of my sin. So for me to walk in this area where God forgives me, I notice two things. Number one, I gotta acknowledge and I gotta confess. And so something happens when human beings, we go before God and we acknowledge and we confess our sins to him. And then I get to a place where he said he'll forgive. Do you know, I know a lot of people, they never receive their forgiveness. God could never forgive me. Yeah, he could. Now we're gonna keep going in this. Not only can he, he desires to. He, he doesn't want your life to, to be measured and marked by sin. Now, I'm going to take you to a place in, in the Old Testament, the book of Nehemiah. You're going to go left in Nehemiah. You're going to keep going. You're going to go through Job. Then you're going to go through a, a woman named Esther. And then you're going to hit Nehemiah 1. If you've gone to the book of Ezra, you've gone just a little far. 
Some of you said, I didn't even know there was a Nehemiah in the Bible. Yes, he's in there. And so in this passage again here, there had been a lot of pain and a lot of heartache. And, and the, the Jews are coming back. Now, I'm going to walk you through several passages here. We're going to be in Nehemiah 1 and then Nehemiah 9. So we start in Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 3. And they said to me, the survivors who are left from captivity in the province, they are in great distress, physical and emotional suffering, and reproach. The, the, the word reproach means shame or disgrace. Do you know, sin has a way to shame you and disgrace you. Some of you say, that describes me right now. I've been there. I know what it's like to be disgraced, to be shamed by sin. He goes on to say this. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down and the gates are burned with fire. So he gets a horrible report. So what does he do? So it was when I heard these words that I sat down and I wept. And I mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying for the God of heaven. And so again, when he hears these people are, are in emotional and physical distress and, and they've been shamed and the walls are broken down. And the man of God, he goes before God. He begins to weep. He begins to fast and he begins to pray. He doesn't throw in the towel. He doesn't throw up a white flag of surrender and say, it's just too much. Something happens when we go before the Lord. Verse number five. And I said, I pray the Lord God of heaven, O great and awesome God, you who keep your covenant and mercy with those who love you and observe your commandments. Now he defines the covenant of God. He said, the God who keeps his covenant with those who love me and obey his commandments. You know where that's found? That's Exodus chapter 20. We were in verse five. I didn't read verse six last week, but that statement right there is Exodus 20 verse six, which literally says, he shows mercy to the thousands, to those who love him and those who obey him. Something happens when I have a heart to love God and obey God. Verse number six Please let your ear be attentive and your eyes open that you may hear the prayer of your servant, which I pray before you day and night for the children of Israel, your servants, and we confess the sins of the children of Israel, and we have sinned against you, both my father's house and I have sinned. Now, it's interesting all that he says in there. The first thing he says is, is we sinned. And then he says, both my father's house and I have sinned. And so now you have this guy who begins to take responsibility. He acknowledges the sin in his life and he confesses them. And it's interesting, he said, both my father's house and I have sinned. So he begins to repent. Verse seven. We have acted very corruptly or we've sinned terribly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, nor the ordinance which you command your servant Moses. Now how did he say they had sinned terribly? 
They didn't obey what God had asked them to do. So this phrase right here in the middle that says, we've not kept the commandments or the statutes. A few weeks ago, we were in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 28. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 1 through 14, they talk about the blessing. Those who obey my word, they walk in the blessing. But in Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 15, it gets over to the curse. And the reason the curse shows up in my life is because I disobey God. And so the result of of sin or the result of, of not obeying God is I open myself up to the curse. This is where this verse cross-references it to. Turn to Nehemiah chapter 9. Nehemiah chapter 9. Now, if you want a little homework assignment, read chapter 8. And they begin to preach the word. And the people of this time realize how far off track they've gotten. Man, we've disobeyed God. We have not lived for God. And so it happened even in their time. And it can happen in our times. So when I talked about here that they confessed the sins of their lives and their father's lives, why did they have to confess their father's sins? Because their father's sins had never been confessed, acknowledged, or turned from. And sometimes I look at that and say, Well, that's not fair. Why should I have to take responsibility for my father's action? Well, that's the the curse of the separation that happens when when we don't honor God and live for him. But there's a blessing on this when I'll do it. So I want to pay close attention here. We're going to read verses one through three. And I believe this is going to really help us today. Nehemiah 9, verse number one. Now on the 24th day of this month, the children of Israel were assembled. In my Bible, I bracketed the children of Israel were assembled. The reason I did that is because I believe to a degree it was like us right here at church. We're all assembled here, and so we're the children of Israel. We're the people of God. And so they all assembled together, and I highlight this because... All of us have sinned. We're very similar as human beings. So he lists some words here and he says, they were assembled together with fasting in sackcloth and with dust on their heads. And so when you see this right here, with the fasting, with the sackcloth or or burlap upon their head and, and the dust on their head, it literally is a public sign of sorrow and repentance. Anytime in the Bible you find out it's in the Old Testament over and over, they would have dust upon their head. It, it was like that they were so grieved because of their sin in their life. And that was one of the ways they expressed repentance. Who? The children of Israel were all assembled together. You know what that means? Corporately, they all had dust on them. Corporately, they were all sorrow. They were, were, they were, were calling out to God, all of them. Verse two, 
Then those of the Israelite lineage, they separated themselves from all the foreigners. Why would they do that? Why would they break off their relationship with the foreigners? If you study the word foreigners there, it literally means unbelievers. So they separated themselves with the unbelievers. You know, in 2 Corinthians 6, 14, the apostle Paul wrote this. He said, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. How many of you as a parent have you ever said that to your children? Don't be unequally yoked with the unbelievers. So most of the time, we lose or, or we use that phrase in a marital issue. You don't want to marry anyone that's an unbeliever. That is true. Now, please don't show your hands. But how many of you have or you know someone that married an unbeliever? I saw. I've seen it. I've tried to talk people out. I'd say, you don't want to do that. They're not a believer, but I love them. Well, a guy named Jay Giles sang a song years ago called Love Stinks. You break that commandment, I don't care who you are. You start messing around with an unbeliever, love stinks. But it doesn't stop there. It literally talks about if you go into business with an unbeliever, you better get ready. Don't show your hands on this one either. How many have ever been a part of someone that was an unbeliever and you said, it was hell on earth? I've seen it. But you know the last one it talks about? Don't be unequally yoked in your personal relationships. Why? Because they will twist your loyalty that you are to have to Jesus. That's why. And you say, that won't happen to me. Well, do you know there's 13 commandments? There's just not 10, there's 13. The 13th commandment says this, thou shalt not kid thyself. You run with the snakes, you're going to get bit. So I like to say it this way. Some of you are addicted to stupid people. You need to break your addiction, okay? Pastor, have you ever been addicted to stupid people? I have. Not that I'm better than anybody else, but I'm going to tell you, when you give your heart to Jesus... When you get around people that don't have that heart for Jesus, you're going to get off track. And so one of the first things they did, and I'm talking to somebody in here, they separated that right there and said, we got to knock that off. So after they do that, they separated themselves from all the foreigners, and they stood and they confessed their sins. Who? All the Israelites, the corporate body. And it said, they stood and they confessed their sins. So that would be like all of us. We stand up and we'd say, man, Father God, I repent of this and I repent of this. And it said, they confess their sins. Guess what that is? That's acknowledging sin in my life, taking responsibility and confessing it. But it didn't stop there. They stood and they confessed their sins and they stood and confessed the iniquities of their fathers, the generational sins. Again, the question why? 
is because these sins have never been confessed or turned from. And so something happens when I obey this. Remember one of the main scriptures we gave a few weeks ago was uh, Isaiah 61 verse 4. It says the desolations of many generations. The word desolations literally meant the destruction or the wreckage of many generations. So guess what they said? Man, we're going to confess those sins. We're going to go back in time and we're going to confess those sins. Verse 3. So they stood up in their place and they read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for one-fourth of the day. I'm going to give you a little math test. That was six hours. A fourth of their day was six hours. Pastor, you're not having that thought, are you? <laughs> Relax, we're not going for six hours, okay? Think about this. For six hours, they'd get their Bible out. And they would begin to read the Word of God. And what happens when I read the Word of God? I get truth. Do you know in this book there's buried treasure? But sometimes you've got to dig to find it. But what I find out, when I start reading my Bible, if there's areas in my life that are out of alignment with how God desires me to live, then the Holy Spirit comes in and convicts me and says, you got to get back online. Does God do that to punish me? No. The reason God does that is he's got purpose for me and he's got inheritance for me. And when I quit living by the way he asked me to, man, I get all out of whack. So for four hours or six hours, man, they're preaching the word. They're standing up. Now look how he ends in verse three. And for another fourth, they confessed and they worshiped the Lord their God. So for another six hours, they confessed their sin. And they would worship God. Who? Who? The whole assembly, they corporately stood up before God. And so this is how I begin to envision it. Man, one of them would start reading the Bible, and then ones would start confessing their sins. And then before long, man, they would just begin to worship God. And I believe the worshiping part, they begin to say, thank you, Father God, for forgiving us. Thank you. So three, four years ago, Many of you have come to church here. There's a thing we do every year called the Men of Iron. At the end of January that year, there was, there was 11 of us that got together. And we all met in, in Rio Dosa and we said, man, we're, we're gonna pray, we're gonna seek God. We begin to do this right here. We begin to read the word of God and before long we would begin to repent. We would begin to worship God there was, there was 11 of us, and we went one day, we went nine hours just in that. I mean, we'd weep before God, and so this is what began to look like. We would read the scriptures, and God would begin to move, and then one would just stand up and start confessing sin. And so here, here's what you got to understand. When we talk about iniquities, I must acknowledge them, and what I mean by acknowledge them, I call it what it is. Now, I begin to find out about my lineage, and so this is some of the stuff that came out of, out of my confession and my brother's confession about our bloodline. We begin to confess for, for my family members being bootleggers, being thieves, being liars, being cheats, being adulterers, being fornicators, being murderers. 
You got murder in your bloodline? My brother's biological father was on death row in Oklahoma for murder. So I don't have a clean slate. But man, we begin to confess. And we'd weep and say, Father God, forgive us. And then one of the guys on the guitar, he'd start playing. And man, all of us, we just drop to our knees and begin to worship God. Thank you, Father God. Thank you. And Kelly Castleman, the, 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 the man of God who sees in the spirit realm so delicately, he said, listen, guys, this is what I'm seeing. He said, there's so many angels moving in here. But he said, God's wanting to do something this year at the Men of Iron. And he said, I believe the Holy Spirit is, is moving us to a direction of corporately we just begin to repent of sin that the men that are going to come in here this year, so we just stood in the gap and we started saying, Father God, we confess this sin and we confess this sin and I will tell you, it was one of the greatest moves of God I've ever seen at the Men of Iron. And so I begin to look at this right here and I thought, okay, Father God, I see all this in the Word. What can wash away my sin Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Now, I'm not going to have you turn there, but Revelations 1.5 says, we've been washed and we've been loosed from our sins by the blood of Jesus. I don't have any of Jesus' blood physically. In other words, I don't have a jar of Jesus' blood, okay? So how do we operate under the blood of Jesus? How do you get born again? You don't see Jesus physically, but man, you heard the scriptures. You knew he's real, he's alive. I believe in everything that he did, and so the way I get born again, I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth. Well, it's very similar with the blood of Jesus. I go before Jesus. I said, Lord Jesus, you're, you're Lord of my life. I, I repent of my sins, and I ask your blood to wash me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness, and there's days that I walk right here, and this is my prayer. I say, Lord Jesus, I, I speak your blood. I plead your blood. Ooh, over my mind. Cleanse my thoughts, Lord Jesus, with your blood. Cleanse my eyes, Lord Jesus, with your blood. Cleanse my ears. Cleanse my heart. Give me clean hands and a pure heart. So what am I telling you? I, I apply the blood of Jesus by faith. And I realize, man, I just stand by that and I stand by that. And some of this you're going to have to stand and you're going to have to stand. And you repent and you stand and you speak the blood. And Revelation 12, 11 says this, we overcome by the blood of the lamb. Man, you want an overcomer? Get under the blood and allow the blood of Jesus to mark you and measure you, okay? Now, I'm going to have you stand on your feet here. So here's where I go with the Lord. I said, Father God, this was your word. This was you. I said, Lord, what do you want me to do with this today? You know, I got my heart just as clear as it could be. 
do what they did in Nehemiah 9. What'd they do? They confessed their sin. They confessed the iniquities of their fathers. They acknowledged and they confessed. They were all assembled together, all of them. So here's what the Lord just really, really embraced in my heart to do. If you feel comfortable, I welcome you to come down here. If you say, Pastor, I really don't feel comfortable coming down there just yet, you can stay right there in your seat. But the only way that there becomes change in my life is when I act on the word. I become a doer of the word, not a hearer only. So here's what we're going to give you the opportunity to do. They're going to sing praise and worship. But if you desire to come down here, I welcome you to come down here and you say, Father God, I've sinned. I've sinned. I acknowledge my sin. And here's what I want you to do. Call it what it is, okay? I know some of the stuff I said about my family, it's not pleasant, but it's real. And then I confess the sins of my fathers, my grandfathers. So what would happen if we just obeyed the scriptures and say, Father God, I believe this first Sunday in August, God's going to move in my life and my heart and there's going to be some generational stuff that's going to be severed and there's going to be some generational blessings that's going to be released and there's going to be fresh direction in my life and my children. And so we're going to open up the altars. You on live stream, get down on your knees right there in your living room and let's go before the Lord. And if you want to do this, you deserve Come on, God's going to move. I'm going to tell you. God's going to move. Thank go you ahead. for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.